I'm Gary LaRue of Microwave Journal. On today's Frequency Matters podcast, we're going to explore the CHIPS Act, signed into law on August 9th by President Biden, while many semiconductor CEOs watched. The legislation will provide $52 billion over five years, with the bulk of that funding, some $39 billion, helping the semiconductor industry expand capabilities and capacity in the U.S. The legislation covers wafer fabrication, assembly, test, advanced packaging, and R&D. Among the goals of the Act, to increase the share of semiconductors manufactured in the U.S., which has declined from 37% in 1990 to 12% today. With me to discuss the impact of the CHIPS Act on the wireless industry is Mary Ann Rofugerin, the CEO of fabulous startup Movandi. The company was founded in 2016 to enable the use of millimeter wave spectrum for advanced wireless applications. Mary Ann, thank you for taking some time with Microwave Journal. Thank you very much. Uh, it is really a nice uh, pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Well, let's start our conversation with a little bit of background about Movandi's mission. When you and your brother started the company, what market or technology problem were you aiming to solve? So when we started Movandi late 2016, uh, you know, we wanted to continue our vision of addressing the challenges of next generations of wireless. You know, in the past decades, we have been continuously working on solving problems in the wireless industry and, uh, you know, setting our vision, enabling connectivity, etc., and uh, one thing that we noticed uh, while we were working still at Broadcom was that, uh, you know, the need for broadband and much higher throughput and much lower latency is basically out there. Uh, and there is really not a good solution uh, that can provide that, especially in wireless. Uh, and, you know, we realized that to really be able to get the throughput that people are going to need, you know, in, especially in businesses, enterprises, and some of these new applications like AR, VR that are coming up, you have to be able to go to much higher spectrum when you actually have uh, a big bandwidth and uh, availability of the spectrum. And that's where the challenges are, right? So, uh, so we decided to focus on the higher part of the band, which is millimeter wave, and that's, you know, the next generation wireless, whether you call it 5G, you know, or go to any other. I think the future is being able to provide very high throughput and low latency, and, and that's where you need to go. And there are a lot of challenges, as you know, in penetration, blockage, you know, uh, short distance, etc., in millimeter wave, and that's what we wanted to go and solve and enable this market. So you're a fabulous startup, and what are your foundry options globally? And how many foundries do you actually use for your custom IC designs? So it, that is correct. We are fabulous semiconductor company. We've been fabulous semiconductor company since we started our journey. Uh, going all the way back to UCLA and, uh, you know, when we're doing our thesis and we worked on integration of radios for the first time in C bulk CMOS and then 
bringing digital to it, making the very first CMOS uh, radios, SOCs. And, you know, at that time, we were working with TSMC solution. It actually, believe it or not, it was one micron, but it was just a feasibility study and proof of concept. Uh, then we started our own company. We continued doing that. And uh, we were still mainly in one fab, which was TSMC that we had started with. Uh, then we became Broadcom. You know, we got acquired. And I can tell you, uh, you know, we started, you know, with us basically growing the wireless business at Broadcom and the volumes starting to get bigger and bigger and capacity becoming an, a challenge. Then we started working in many different fabs. So pretty much anyone who had, uh, who could provide the process node we were in. Uh, so we were using TSMC. We started using SMIC. We, we did Charter. We did... Uh, so, you know, one way or another, especially if you are in a business where your product is going to become very high volume, uh, you really have no choice but being able to work with multiple fats. Um, the good thing about us was that, you know, and I think we were the only company that could do that. So we could, we made our designs in a way that they were robust enough and programmable enough that it could take the same GDS and take it to different fabs. Um, and just by tweaking some high-level software, we could actually make products. So the reason we had to do this is because, uh, you know, we were shipping billions of devices. Uh, and, and for us to be able to make sure that we don't get stuck. Right now, you see all these challenges with the supply chain, etc. And, you know, those days, these weren't there, but still... You need to ensure that you can ship products. And so we have worked with uh, many of these fab uh, companies. Uh, at Mobindy, we are also working with, uh, you know, uh, with the foundries. And again, at the end of the day, we believe this market, uh, although right now it's not big, it's going to become huge and we should be able to work with uh, multiple foundries and, and make sure that we can ship products. So security of the supply chain is important. Uh, where does cost fit into your equation when you select a foundry? Uh, cost is very, very important. You know, believe it or not, being in this industry for the past, again, few decades, uh, one of the first thing and most important, performance is definitely very important. Uh, and, you know, not too many companies are willing to uh, sacrifice performance, but it becomes, it could become sort of secondary to the cost. So, and cost is not only, uh, you know, the wafer or the chip, it's the whole thing together. It includes package, includes, but every one of those matters. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things that we definitely consider in uh, our selection of who we work with, more or less, et cetera, is cost. Um, and I can tell you, uh, you know, there are, Cases where you go to something that's more expensive to get a couple of dB better performance, etc. But at the end of the day, uh, that may become negligible, especially the full picture of the system. And we've, we've been more of a, you know, not just component level. We actually, you know, Momandi and whatever we've done before, we we look at everything from system level and mm-hmm. and how you make a product that's cost-effective, but at the end of the day, the whole system performs very highly 
And it's not just, you know, going to just one chip or one component. Uh, so, yeah, cost is right on top, I would say. <laughs> and, and that makes a difference. So you certainly, from your experience, have um, a lot of experience with foundries in the U.S., in Taiwan, in China. Uh, why is having a U.S. foundry important, which is, the, uh, of course, the focus of the CHIPS Act? Okay, a couple of reasons. First of all, I generally think that, uh, you know, if you look at uh, this industry, right, especially semiconductor, uh, right now we're suffering even from people being motivated and interested to go to this field from the beginning and the, to the universities. Uh, there are, there's so much potential here economically to actually create jobs, positions that could be very exciting, which were complete, we have been completely ignoring. I mean, putting everything aside from competition in China, I think that's fundamental. I think that's something that could help America on their economic side. It could create jobs. It could create a lot of enthusiasm for people to actually go to this field. Uh, to me, I would say that's, you know, really, really important. And I think it could make a big impact. But, you know, having said that, this whole geopolitical and, you know, the world, unfortunately, the world we live in, whether we like it or not, uh, you know, things happen. Uh, look at what ha what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening. Mm -hmm. And all this can have huge impacts on the, in, on the company's ability to be able to provide solutions, you know, get the, the, the components they need to be able to actually provide solutions. So not having anything in the U.S., it's a really big problem because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, whether you have access to some of these foundries that are overseas or not. So, uh, and generally speaking, you know, we do need more number of foundries globally um, so that, you know, they can provide volume, they can uh, you know, we don't run into this situation of supply chain that exists today. Uh, so anyway, you look at it, I think it's great to have uh, more foundries and it would be perfect to have more in the U.S. Uh, to create a lot more uh, jobs, etc. So the CHIPS Act passed and has been signed into law. And I think companies are trying to figure out now what's in it and how it's going to work. But from your your perspective now and what you understand, how will the CHIPS Act benefit Movandi? Okay, let me tell you this. I think this whole idea of CHIP Act and what happened is huge. Okay, uh, government stepping in and saying that, okay, you know, we've been neglecting this area and we need to step up. And getting it signed was a huge deal. And I was in Washington and I could see that, you know, that awareness is definitely there. So uh, it might have taken too long, but, but eventually it's there now. The important thing is how this is implemented and where this money go. And, you know, again, you know, between everything happening, uh, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different, you know, ideas. Uh, the number one priority is making sure that this money that comes from tax, people's money <laughs> gets used in the right places and helps the U.S. to achieve the goals that, you know, they have. Make U.S. very competitive, 
make sure that they have the foundries so that you know they don't have to rely on other countries for their foundries and one of the other things that's very important here is making sure that innovation uh, continues and you know us can lead whatever you know the us has been the lead in technology and innovation in the past and it would be really unfortunate if this doesn't continue so i could see that all these things were basically important to government when you know in some of the discussions we've been having um, so again foundry and uh, fats are definitely important a good chunk of this money is going to go to them but there are some allocations from what i'm hearing that it's purely going into ensuring that innovation in semi and uh, and you know startups and universities and generally this uh, will continue uh, how would movandi benefit from it you know what we're working on is really the next generation of wireless uh, i don't you know we all know how wireless is critical it's basically the national network that pe- connects everything to everything uh, and you know 5g is about more than just people as we know right it's going right. to be so uh it's it's very critical that we make sure that this wireless that we're setting up in our network is secure that it's it has the maximum cap- capability and what we're working on is pretty much trying to ensure that right so we're working on millimeter wave which is i think is going to be huge especially for our defense and you know national security etc as well as uh, 5g and going into 6g etc so uh, we believe that we're very qualified in this area of innovation and next generation and you know other companies are out there that uh, they definitely in other categories or but there are enough of these uh, startups and innovative companies that need to be funded and usually you know especially the ones in the semi it takes longer time and it takes you know more uh, fund and and then VCs uh, are not enough to be able to provide that and keep going with that so certainly as you noted a large amount of the funding will go into the semiconductor wafer fabs the um, say semiconductor equipment perhaps uh, packaging capabilities but I've seen there's uh, some allocation for R&D. So is it possible that you may uh, actually benefit with some funding R&D-wise that can push some of the wireless technology forward from a design innovation standpoint? We definitely hope so. Uh, I believe that allocation that you talk about it has been allocated for these kind of scenarios, which you know we could be one of them. Again, you know, this is not going to, this, this thing is going to take some time. And, and uh, again, the government is trying, and I'm sure, you know, they have to put something in place that ensures this funding go to the right places, right allocation. That's why, uh, you know, uh, we're hoping we definitely can be one of those in that area. In the article that you provided to Microwave Journal, which we uh, published, you talked about the CHIPS Act recognizing the collaborative relationship between foundries and startups. And you actually wrote, large foundries have an obligation to provide special support to help smaller fabulous companies thrive and innovate. 
Are you possibly concerned the CHIPS Act will distort or undermine the collaboration that's been in place so far? Uh, I'm not concerned. I'm just emphasizing that that needs to remain. And if anything, this whole CHIPS Act should even strengthen it more, right? Because, uh, you know, and I I have to say, I mean, the foundries uh, we have worked with, they've been very... Uh, you know, startups and innovation has been important to them. They have been trying to nurture these and try to but uh, to make this, you know, grow. But uh, at the same time, I think now with CHIPS Act and the uh, criterias and, you know, priority that CHIP Act has on both providing more foundry and services as well as, uh, you know, nurturing innovation, if anything, uh, Foundries could even do more than they're doing right now, and and that remains and continues. Yeah. And what do you th- what more do you think they could do to help promote the uh, calib- uh, collaboration and innovation? Uh, in the Chips Act or the foundries? Well, through the Chips Act or the or the foundries themselves. So uh, again, this is something that needs to be figured out by the foundries and maybe Chips Act, but. Uh, but, you know, as part of this whole funding, uh, the founders may actually want to look at it a little. Maybe from their side, they can say, okay, we will allocate part of this fund to make sure that, you know, we provide more free, uh, you know, shuttles, you know, help the innovative companies more than they're doing already today. Uh, and I think that could go a long way because if foundries do that and invest a little bit more in this area, eventually, you know, they can turn out to benefit from it, which is the case. I mean, that's what happened, for example, with our uh, initial first startup. What we did at Innovant System eventually resulted in uh, helping this foundry shipping, you know, billions of wafers more because it enabled them. So I think... For them to take the chance and try to invest more in, and working more closely with startups could have a huge benefit for them at the end of the day. I've been away from the uh, direct engagement for a number of years, given my role at Microwave Journal. But uh, previously, from my uh, direct observation, uh, obviously the, the foundry was a, a stable source of a process and a lot of the performance of a device comes from the process as well as the design. But at the same time, the foundry is interested in what the designers need that maybe they can't do. And so it's a, it's a synergistic relationship that keeps evolving that as a company like Movandi will tell uh, one of the foundries, we really would like for you to do this. And then ultimately that leads to the foundry doing that. That's exactly true. And that's exactly what happened in the past with us. So foundries need to be more willing and they have been because, you know, they, again, they want to, uh, they want to enable new products. And sometimes these new designs and products will require some sort of optimization on their fabs or some tweaks, etc. And based on, you know, what I've seen and my past experience and what we've done with foundries, uh, you actually do see that uh, uh, they're very receptive, especially if they see potential in that going forward. And that has helped them, and that has helped the companies to provide uh, you know, better products. 
Well, hopefully the CHIPS Act will uh, provide some funding as well as uh, moral support, if you will, to to encourage that collaboration and maybe extend some of the roadmaps a little bit further out in time. Uh, I completely agree. I really hope that we see that. And I, again, I, I think, you know, one of the reasons I'm here, to be honest with you, in the U.S. and many others is because... Uh, people around the world have looked at U.S. being the leader in technology. It's exciting. Everyone wants to, they have been wanting to come, be here, be part of this, you know, setting the direction of technology. It's, it's been exciting, and I really hope that this continues and we get the U.S. to maintain its leadership in technology going forward. <laughs> Well, much, much of the justification for the CHIPS Act, as you know, has been uh, U.S. national security, uh, specifically providing trusted sources for the critical ICs that go into U.S. defense systems. Um, as Movandi is really more focused on the global telecommunications market, how important is that aspect of the uh, CHIPS Act to your business? Uh, so, you know, this is important. I mean, again, we're all U.S. citizens. We all have U.S., uh, you know, what we can do to help our country first. So uh, what we're trying to do is enabling and setting U.S. to be the leader in this market and technology. So in terms of so what we provide at the end, we need to make sure that that's our number one priority uh, but some of the stuff that are being developed, uh, you know, could be globally used because, you know, not everything that everyone develops is uh, going to jeopardize national security. There are components that you can be uh, basically working with other uh, countries or globally. And many, I mean, many countries, there is no issue, but the ones right. that are in uh, might have issue. We just need to be careful what the what we can work with them on, and that's exactly what we're doing. And in many cases, you know, some of this require government approval, et cetera, that we have been uh, very, very aware of and working with. Well, my last uh, question, you mentioned before the geopolitical situation, and certainly the increasing competition for technology leadership between the U.S. and China was a key motivation, I think, for Congress to ultimately pass the CHIPS Act. Are you concerned that this uh, technology competition will actually spill over into the global standards such that, say, 3GPP and IEEE won't be able to develop unified standards for coming generations of wireless technology? You know, this is always a concern. I, as a technologist and executive in this uh, technology field, uh, I certainly hope that we're not going to go there. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of best things that have happened in technology is because of companies and especially, you know, scientists working together globally. Uh, and, and it would be unfortunate if things like that happen. And I'm hoping that, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what happened geopolitically, no matter what happened at you know, high levels of politics, uh, there is enough understanding amongst everyone that, you know, many of the best thing and best technologies that have happened 
in the world is because of collaborations at the science level, at the lower level where you actually create stuff and come up with innovation. And, and we put everything aside and we focus on that and come up with the uh, right thing to do. Uh, as I said, you know, the concern is always there. I don't know how much that can be done, but I'm hoping that, you know, politicians and everyone understand these are things that they need to work on together and and make things happen. <laughs> so. Well, let's, let's hope that there is a global perspective there because I, I yeah. still find it incredible. You, you can get off a plane in Europe, in China, wherever, turn on your <laughs> phone and you're connected and yeah. connect yeah. your laptop and you're connected anywhere that you are. Uh, that's exactly true. It's become so convenient. You know, this, a lot of these things now we take for granted, right? Uh, and, and a lot has happened for this to come along and happen. And a lot has been collaborations and between universities, companies. And, and I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, that remains no matter what. <laughs> Well, do you have any last thoughts of things that maybe we haven't touched on that you had in your perspective article that you would like to bring up? I think you pretty much covered everything. And, uh, you know, this was definitely a pleasure talking to you. And, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing uh, for, you know, bringing awareness and trying to cover things that are very important in this market and, um, and, you know, I hope you keep it going. Well, Very thank nice. you. <laughs> it's great to uh, be in a position to watch companies like Movandi go from uh, an idea and a startup to uh, where you are now and really driving the uh, commercialization of millimeter wave technology. So we thank you for your time. Obviously, you're very, very busy as CEO, and we appreciate you taking a few minutes with us today. And wish you and Movandi continued success. Thank you very much. Listen for our next episode when we'll speak with Global Foundries, probably the leading foundry enabling millimeter wave silicon. 